know, when we talk about some of these things, it's not things that aren't going on in a parish. You know, we talk about raising givers and money and generosity. Well, that's already happening. But is it happening in unity with making disciples? And everybody has volunteers and serving, but is it helping with making disciples? And is it, are we connecting the dots between that? Are we working together or are the volunteer ministers silos and fractured, right? Are we all working for that common mission to reach our community and reach the lost? We get fellowship things, I think sometimes, but they're not always really intentional. It's like drinking beer or drinking coffee together. That's that's not really fellowship as the gospel, as the scriptures are telling us, as Paul means it. it, can be part of it, sure. But, you know, it's more about sharing lives and life on life and how we're growing closer to God and creating environments for those conversations. Even prayer, which people often think is personal, but the mass is corporate and prayer can be, we can be praying for each other. And we try to create that community here at Nativity where we're praying for one another's needs. You know, so all these things are meant to be working together and how we do that. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. It's great to be with you again. Thanks for everything that you do to make your church great, to bring people home to Christ, and and to learn to lead, to skill up in leadership. It's such a critical Endeavor if we're going to have a kingdom size impact in our parishes. So thank you. If you're listening on your podcasts, then please go and rate the podcast. That'd be helpful. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, hit the thumbs up. All that stuff helps. I'm excited to talk to my friend Tom Corcoran today. He is constantly laying his life down to impact his parish, but also to support other parishes through his writing and through his coaching he does through Rebuilt. And so, Tom, welcome to the show today. Hey, Ron. Great to be with you again. It's great, great to, to have you back. You Tom's just written a book called Rebuilt Faith, a handbook for skeptical Catholics. <laughs> like, stop everything. Like, what? A handbook for skeptical Catholics. I know a few of those guys. Like, I know a few of those guys. <laughs> and so I can't wait for this conversation today because I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but I guarantee you it's going to be relevant for my life. And so I'm guessing it will be for yours too. Tom, what made you decide to write this book? What's the motivation? Yeah, I mean, I think going to that title um, or a subtitle really yes. is you know, that gets people's attention. I said, mm-hmm. God, yours. We actually had a lot of, you know, for the you know background, when you publish a book, uh, with a publisher, it's not yours completely. You have to work with a publisher. So that is actually a subtitle they gave to us. And we, we went back and forth on that, whether we liked it or didn't like it, quite honestly. And, you know, we could have fought them on it, but we yeah. decided to go with it. So, um, so that's a little background. Maybe people are interested. Maybe they're not. Um, so keep listening to hopefully get more interesting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think well, as we've wrestled with it, you know, part of it is that, um, the skeptic, first of all, there's a lot of people, like you said, are skeptical right now. Hmm. And so, uh, honestly, I'm a skeptic. I I consider myself a skeptic in general. Hmm. That's my personality type. I'm an INTP. For those of you, Myers-Briggs, by nature, skeptical, don't necessarily believe somebody when they tell something to me right away. I I need to research it. Uh, But I would say about this book, which could lead that, that title, I think, could lead people down the wrong direction. It's not an apologetics book. No. So I think a lot of people, when they think skeptical, they think, okay, you're going to make arguments that are going to come 
and convince me of the truth. Now, we do start out with, I think, a pretty convincing ar- argument that Jesus is the Son of God mm. um, in a pretty simple way. On the f- uh, mm-hmm. first day, and this is a 40-day kind of journal or pr- you know devotional prayer thing that you read five, ten minutes a day, depending upon how fast you read. But more, it's I think it's the skeptical is we're in a generation that's about experience. You know, I do think uh, I think my generation, you know, I'm almost 50. I'll probably be close to 50, closer to 50. I'll be closer to 50 when this comes out, Ron. And, you know, I think so Gen X is what, you know, I think our generation, but even I think younger generations are still about experience. Now we're living a world of experience. And so really the book is about handling our skepticism mm-hmm. by having experiences of Christ, not by necessarily intellectually. And I, I love following the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a truth guy, but this is more about bringing us into some experiences of Christ that we may know the truth of who he is and experience the truth of who he is. Hmm. That's a great, that's a great approach. Um, and it's interesting how the different generations approach faith differently, isn't it? You know, in terms yeah. of, I think, yeah, uh, you know, there's willpower, there's brain power, and there's soul power, like that whole experience piece, the knowledge piece, and 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 the uh, willpower, the drive, and and people are often more oriented to one of those three spots. Yeah, but when God but, gets I mean, if I think him, about, hmm. I mean, I grew up Philly Catholic, and I, that's the way I describe myself, and that. That was being caught, taught the doctrine and dogmas of the faith. And I'm very grateful for that. I feel like it gave me a very solid foundation. Mm. But what it did not give me, and, and I'm not, this isn't a criticize. I think no matter what faith tradition you grow up in or whatever experience of faith you have a kid, it's not going to be enough because no. it's just what it is. You, you have to continue growing. If you stop at eighth grade or ninth grade or whatever grade, mm. that's not enough faith yet. You need to keep going. Yeah. But what I would say is, you know, when I hear this, from you and others all the time. It's like, we want to give people an encounter with Christ mm. an experience with Christ. And I think there's been more of an emphasis on that. Maybe because maybe people are like me, they didn't have it when they were younger. Mm. But also I do think, again, we're in a time where people pay a lot of money to have experiences, go do experiences. And hopefully this book, um, which is laid out again in six weeks of kind of reflecting in 10 minutes a day, the first week is all about Jesus and whether we can really, mm. you know, whether it's worth following Jesus, whether he really is who he is. And if we should follow him, whether it's worth it, do we like Jesus? Does Jesus like us? Yeah. That's kind of the first week of these questions to kind of grapple with. Would you have a beer with Jesus? I like to say. Um, <laughs> Thomas and, Ritt wrote a song about that. It's a great song if you haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. oh, I if, I, if I could have a beer with Jesus, it's called. We'll have to get him on the podcast. I love it. That's a great song. I love song. it. <laughs> and, um, but then the next you know, five weeks are different steps of discipleship, we say, that bring us into an encounter with Jesus. And I mm. think a lot of times people think just encountering Jesus or faith is just prayer. And Certainly prayer is absolutely essential to growing closer to Christ and becoming who God wants us to be. But there's a lot of other experiences that are vital to us growing in faith. And we talk about that through the, through the whole devotional, through the whole book. Beautiful. So it sounds like the journey itself, if, if, if you dare to take it, uh, really is an opportunity. Like, are you skeptical? Are there things you're struggling with? And if the answer is yes, welcome to the human race. It's okay. And, and, and this book and how it's been laid out is to help you begin to ask yourself some really good questions and have some good dialogue with God. Uh, and through that, you're probably going to have 
a beautiful 40-day experience of drawing closer yeah. to the heart of the Father, eh? Yeah, and to go to go back to that that title, that subtitle, Handbook for Skeptical Catholics, we actually started to push back and say, maybe it should be called a handbook for bored Catholics. Mm. And um, our, our publisher pushed back for various reasons on that. Um, but we, you know, we do talk about the introduction. I think people are bored, though. You're bored when you're not having experiences of Christ, when you're not doing certain things, right? That mm. the God of the Bible is not boring. You know, no. it's been said, right? It's, it's a sin to bore people with the gospel. It, it's, that was not a boring. If you are really living in relationship with Christ, and you're you can't be bored. He doesn't let you be bored. He's not boring. No. So um, very, these are ways yeah. to kind of get you, mm. yeah, moving more out on the edge, so you're not bored with your faith. That's so beautiful. Because that's the very thing that really drove me as a young boy. I just thought, why is this so boring? Like Jesus sounds amazing. Like absolutely amazing. I don't know if Jesus would want to go to this church sometimes. Like I, I know the doctrine's right. I know the dogma's right. But boredom seems to be actually what's expected. And I just found that so fascinating because I, you know, later on when I got older, like in my late teens and early 20s, I'm thinking I came to the conclusion that no, this shouldn't be boring. If we believe what we say we believe, we should be walking in miracles. And that's not boring. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know. And uh, and being led to points where we're going to have to take some risks in faith, right? And mm. trust that God's going to come through in some way. And, you know, some of the risks, you know, we talk about our steps of discipleship are serving, that's a risk giving up your time and learning to grow, you know, giving generosity mm -hmm. to give financially. I, I, I love talking about money in church mm -hmm. because when people connect the dots between money and giving and they give at a sacrificial level, that's a huge trust in God that happens, you know, mm -hmm. getting involved in the church and in Christian community, engaging with other people. That's a risk. You should that's write a, a book about generosity in church and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't read that book from Tom and Michaels, yeah. make sure you get it. Church money. Absolutely. Yeah. It's important. In fact, I've recommended that book all kinds of times. It's had a huge impact on, on the priests that I coach. And so, again, thanks for writing that book, too, because that's, that's one of my favorite books. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite books. Yeah. Mm. I love that book. So. <laughs> yeah. I think. We yeah. So. Yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah. So in all these things, there are, is some risk. And, and if we're really experiencing Jesus, it's going to push us out a bit out of that boredom. And then out of that, you know, I think the skepticism, ultimately, when you experience Christ in your life in mm -hmm. ways, uh, hopefully the book's going to encourage and push you to do, it will take you to a new level of faith. Mm. I'm going to do this book with my wife. And, uh, and that's going to be a fun journey. And part of the reason I want to do it, too, is because I want to be able to give it away, um, you know, because I, I really, I'm just talking to a really close friend of mine yesterday who was really struggling and, you know, been through Alpha and been on team multiple times and has different experiences in church, but still really struggles with, you know, mm. when I'm in trouble or when times are tough, is God really there? And, and all of a sudden doubts start creeping in again. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like that's not my experience. Like I, I, I experience God all the time, actually, like every, like I love my prayer life. I love my devotional time. I love reading scripture and just meditating on his word and letting him speak to me. And so when I do that daily, then that means he's there when things are going well. 
and when things aren't going so well, like he's, he's never not there if I show up, like, oh, he's, he's never not there even when I don't show up. <laughs> I'm more aware of it when I do show up. And I think maybe this right. book too will give people, you know, if they commit to it, just like a fitness program, which, you know, uh, if you only work out once a week on Sundays, uh, if you're in the gym, you're probably not going to get many results for this. Doing yeah. it 40 days in a row, you're going to build up some spiritual muscles. So a little bit of a routine that, I think is often required if you're going to grow in intimacy. Yeah. A couple of things you say there that really kind of dovetail the book is one, we use that in the beginning of the book about the steps of discipleship are a fuller kind of training program, so to speak. I think again, in the church, we always kind of come back to a one trick thing. We just need to pray. Well, prayer is one way you grow spiritually, but it's not the only way. Amen. Um, and that's why we're trying to talk about cert, you know, what people sometimes ask me, what do you guys do for faith formation at nativity? And say everything. Yeah, if it's not forming people's faith, why are we doing it? You know, that's I, you know, that's another that's a diatribe or a rabbit hole there. But you know, <laughs> if it's not forming faith, why are we doing it? We're we're about building people's faith in Jesus Christ. And if if it's not forming faith in some way, shape, or form, or leading people to that, let's stop doing it. But so again, if you went to a trainer and said, "Hey, I want to get in good shape," and if every day you went and you said, "All right, let's go for a run. Let's go for a run. Let's go for," you'd be like, "Well, wait a minute, like." My, my hamstrings are tight. I'm not building any muscle mass. I'm not right. When we just tell people pray all the time. And I think we need to get even into that. You can get into the tales about how yep. I pray and what, you know, if you're building strength, you want to work your arms, you want to work your, mm -hmm. there's different exercises you can do. There's different ways you can pray. So the kind of same thing we, you know, a trainer is going to tell you, yeah, do some cardio, do some hit workouts, do some strength training, do some flexibility, do some at right there's going to be different things. And so hopefully this book's going to open people's minds up. I'm like, okay, my spiritual life is more than, and faith life is more than just prayer. There's mm -hmm. again, some of these other aspects. The other thing you said that's hits with the book is it is meant to be in community. Mm -hmm. And I think on each of these steps of discipleship, we talk about how they build personal faith and corporate faith. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, you know, we're in a world that's constantly saying it's, kind of my spirituality. And certainly we believe faith is personal, but it's not private. And when I, it's not, we're meant to experience God in community. And so mm -hmm. the book is written, it will build hopefully your personal faith, but we do hope if you apply it, it's going to build your, the local church. It's going to build mm -hmm. parishes. Like we have a heart for parishes. We want to see them grow and thrive. Mm -hmm. We want to see people have parishes that are engaging and enlivening their faith. And we hope book parishes will do this book and it, they'll become, again, it will liven and invigorate their parishes as they read them in community. Right. And part of this comes out of our own experience. You know, we, our, our church was transformed by two pivotal events mm -hmm. and, and we're still growing. We don't know everything. I don't, I don't, but it was transformed and took to a different level when one, you know, we're coming upon Christmas time when we record this, when we went to the fairgrounds and said, we're going to do Christmas Eve, outside our church. So we reach our community and that was about growing wider. Yeah. But after that, very quickly, we did 40 days of purpose and we read purpose driven life. And we said, we're going to grow deeper and this is going to be a community that goes deeper. And as we did those two things, our church kind of like got it and things went on. And so our hope is that kind of is what happens in churches as, as their whole community reads the book together. Mm. They, this lights go on of, wow, I want to be engaged in the life of the parish. And mm. what can we do as a community to impact our, and what can we do as a parish to impact our community? Boy, that's so important. You know, one of the things I find in coaching, Tom, I'd be interested to get your perspective too, but, you know, so often, you know, when, when, a, when a parish 
tries to be missional and they try to go further and deeper. They just see like 57 different things they're not doing as well as they could. And it's overwhelming and it's like, ah, and, and, and so they're, you know, sometimes it's in fits and, and spurts. But one of the things that even this podcast helps people to do, or this book helps people do, it gives them common language and a common experience so they can have a conversation around something, like watching the Chosen right. series. And we have to watch an episode of that. We can talk about it. Like a bunch of us are going to that right. movie tonight for Christmas, and, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it. But it gives you something to talk about. And I know in our time at St. Benedict Parish, there were, there were many times where Father James, like said, we're getting 800 of these books. We're going to ask everybody to buy it and read it. And Rebuilt was one of them um, early on. I remember reading that book and laughing my head off. I just found it so refreshingly funny because it was so boldly true. And it really captured my imagination. But it was really helpful because sometimes those types of book studies, can they can form our language and our and our conversations. And so, you know, what I love about this book, Rebuilt Faith, is it's a perfect dovetail to like, why not get it for your parish over Lent and give people a small group experience if you haven't yet? Because again, this common language, this common experience, I've been to re to the Church of Nativity with Tom and Father Michael. And I'm telling you, they're so flipping intentional about what they do and how they do it that 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 Anytime you read their stuff and rally around it, it's going to bring unity of language and understanding. And that's part of the disintegration of parishes not led well is we don't have common language. We don't have common experiences and we're not being formed um, together on a journey. And, and so these book yeah. studies are, an, I really, we really believe they're a really important part of forming people corporately and individually. So yeah, just love your vision for it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. And hopefully it gives people a kind of framework, a model to look mm -hmm. at work off of it start, you know, and that's what purpose-driven life and purpose-driven youth or purpose-driven ministry stuff gave to us a framework. And we took it and eventually yeah. modified it, made it our own. We don't, we want people to parishes to eventually make it their own, but it's good to go through the model first, mm -hmm. which is what we did. And then we made it our own at some point. And then, yeah, like you said, a common language, and it's interesting you talk about that disintegration of parishes because I really think of what we want to do at Rebuilt Parish and the growth we've experienced in nativity is an integration. Yes. You know, when we talk about some of these things, it's not things that aren't going on in a parish. You know, we talk about raising givers and money and generosity. Well, that's already happening, but is it happening in unity with making disciples? And we want to, again, we, we everybody has volunteers and serving, but is it helping with making disciples? And is it, are we connecting the dots between that? Are we working together or are the volunteer ministers, you know, silos and fractured, right? Are we all working for that common mission to reach our community and reach the lost, right? Mm. We, we get fellowship things, I think sometimes, but they're not always really intentional. It's like, you know, drinking beer or drinking coffee together. That's, that's not really fellowship as the gospel, as the scriptures are telling us, as Paul means it. I mean, that can be part of it, sure, but, you know, it's more about sharing lives and life on life and mm -hmm. how we're growing closer to God and keep creating environments for those conversations. And so even prayer, which people often think is personal, but the mass is corporate and mm -hmm. uh, prayer can be, we can be praying for each other. And we try to create that community here at Nativity where we're praying for one another's needs. So, and then, eventually, you know, so all these things are meant to be working together and how we do that. And so mm -hmm. hopefully this book will help parishes become more unified. Mm.
Yeah, that's uh, that's a gift to the church. <laughs> that is an absolute <laughs> gift to the church. You know, I remember Father James used to say, when you have more than one vision, you have division. You know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and that's not that's tricky. And uh, so, yeah, I love that. And so let me ask you a, a question, Tom. I'm thinking about some people in my life who, you know, are highly skeptical. And but yet I think they're at a point in their life. They're probably closer to meeting Jesus face to face than they were <laughs> 20 years ago. And they're probably getting. To yeah, the we all are. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, they're getting to the tail end of their life and, and they've just not really. found relevance in faith if, and, and is this something is this a book that you think if if a couple did that who aren't going to church who you know maybe tried or were engaged before but or not engaged but went before but but were bored and found it irrelevant do you think this will start to possibly get them thinking differently yeah of course i hope so for sure i mean i do think it's it's it is going to kind of draw back and encourage back into a local life of a local parish. I don't want to, Beautiful. you know, it's, we, we no, are very clear goal. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that faith is meant to be lived out in community and, you, you know, and again, and personally, but there's, there's, you know, I don't think the church on some of these things, like we're called to serve, right? So we're going to talk about that. And we talk about, mm -hmm. first of all, all these things too are about making us more Christ-like in character, mm -hmm. right? We become servants because Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mm. And so we try to enter into serving. But serving doesn't serving certainly means in a parish at your church, encourage everybody to do that. But serving means serving at home. Mm -hmm. It means coming to see your work life and what's the calling on my life and how am I who am I serving and what's God calling me into as well. So each, you know, we do talk about generosity and growing, but it's also about knowing God as a provider. We don't start with money. We start with God loves, so God gives. And again, how do we become more like Christ? And we don't just give to our parish. We want to give to the poor. We want to help yeah. those in need. We want to, again, grow in generosity in our hearts. And again, one of the biggest reasons I believe in growing generosity is because I think you begin to see God as a provider in a whole new way mm -hmm. as you become more generous with your finances. Um, you know, we talk about engaging in Christian community, which is really getting into a small group, we think, and being part mm -hmm. of a parish, but also a reminder that we're part of the saints, the communion of saints. The church is not just the church on earth, but the church in heaven as well, church suffering and have, building that kind of relationship. So there is meant to be things that both connect you back to the person, the church, mm -hmm. but again, hopefully can build your personal faith. You know, what's cool about that? It just reminds me, Tom, like when I wrote the book, Unlocking Your Parish, you know, making disciples and raising up leaders with Alpha. Um, I remember a lady coming, like it was, a, we're doing the book launch at the parish and we got a little stage that we we're getting set up and it was a little bit of time. One of the ladies comes to the side and, uh, and she says, Ron, Ron. And I said, well, no, we're saying, Hey, how are you? And uh, she said, good. She said, I read your book. I said, it just came out. Now, fortunately, it's a small, <laughs> it's a small book, so it wasn't that hard of a read, yeah. but I thought, good for you. And she said, I've decided I'm going to come back to – I said, I decided I'm going to go on the Alpha team, and I've already brought, invited three people from my condo, and none of them go to church. Uh, that's awesome. But but remember, you don't yeah. – you don't um, – you don't volunteer to be on the team. You, you have to be invited to be on the team. She says, Ron, you invited me all kinds of times to be on the team. But I said no every time. 
<laughs> you did <laughs> like I, I forgot about that like why why didn't you say yes because i had a terrible experience and i thought it was because alpha stunk but now while i read your book i realized it wasn't alpha at all it was how the, the the small group was led it was led very poorly and so therefore i had a bad experience and now that i know it's not alpha's fault i want to come back on the team so that other people will have a great experience and so I say all that, Tom, because, you know, sometimes people's experience at church isn't very good. And so they blame it on the church and they walk away. But maybe some of the things that you're talking about in this book in terms of mindsets and what community could look like and how we are called to be with each other corporately and stuff. Maybe people will be able to read that book who've maybe drifted away and go, you know what? I want to be a part of the solution. Just like that lady said, I'm going to be part of the solution. And, and that's what I did at one point. Like I just realized like I wasn't giving, I wasn't serving. I was criticizing. I was critical. I went to church, but boy, I didn't have a very good attitude. I wasn't very gracious to the people running the church. I was very critical. And, and Jesus himself said, Ron, what have you ever done to build up my church? And I realized hmm. nothing, like nothing. And, and in that moment of, of revelation, I felt so, I felt deep, deep regret and, and, and remorse for my attitude. But I made God a promise right then and there. I said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life being a part of the solution. And so, mm. you know, if, if people like you and I or whoever's going to read this book who may have drifted away, like if you read this book and actually go on this journey and, and pray with God and hopefully a spouse or a few friends and Hopefully this will help also give you some insight of what a church could be. And if that's not your church right now, it's okay. But but maybe you'll be called to be part of the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I, I, again, as someone who works in a church, I think it's on us to lead people. And so I'll challenge church leaders all day long. You and me both. We got to be calling them into a vision, right? You know, we both will do that. And um but yeah, I, at the end of the day, though, you got to take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for. And so if you mm -hmm. are in the pews, like you're saying, and frustrated, um, I love your, your kind of thing. Jesus is probably not saying, yeah, just stay there and get bitter. <laughs> stay bitter and <laughs> stay critical. That's not what Jesus is that's saying. What, you know, that's what I was saying it, to myself. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. But Jesus is saying, all right, go do something. And I think as you move, God moves. And I was just mm -hmm. having breakfast today with a member of our parish and great business leader guy. and. Uh, listening to his faith and it was great conversation, but we were just talking about it's, it, you got to work, you know, uh, Dallas Willard once said, you know, grace is not opposed to, to effort as opposed to earning and that, you know, we work and we move and uh, you know, it's that, that one worship song, uh, my hands are open. I'm going to move so you can move. So we got to do something right. Um, you know, and I think, I think sometimes too, the church, we get it wrong in the sense that it was funny. We did a, a message. We do a message here for Advent. But we began it talking about grace and the analogy of the shepherd, and that's the way of grace. And so we actually have Father Michael, we did some research and we wrote it. He did a homily on it, but we have a guy on our staff who actually does, is a shepherd. He actually has sheep. Yeah. And so, Father, yeah, we do. So Father Michael emails him and said like, yeah, in ba he lives about, yeah, he lives out a little bit. Yeah. Well, Baltimore is cool. You can get to the country pretty quick. But okay. anyway, we, my point is, I'll get there eventually is that he, he asked Joseph on our team, like, Hey, is this true about sheep? And when he came back and said, it was really interesting. He said about sheep that Joseph said, yeah, this is true. But here's the thing about sheep. If they are not moved, they will sit in a place and eat the grass, eat the nutrients. And there will be no more life there anymore. Hmm. It'll take away all the nutrients, but they won't move. The shepherd 
has to move the sheep to where there's new life and where there's nutrients in the land. And that I think is true for us as leaders in a community Mm. to be a true shepherd. The people will, people are like sheep. We're all like sheep, right? They'll just want to stay in the same place. Good leaders say, no, we have to move Mm. the life. If we just stay where we are, there's no more life here. We need to move where there's new nutrients and new life. And I guess that's the idea, too, of this book is that mm. in moving, in taking these steps of discipleship, that's where we'll find life. The spiritual life is a journey and a pilgrimage. It isn't just, you know, there's times we rest and we stay still, but that's for a moment. God then is usually going to move us off to somewhere new. Amen. Amen. This is such a great perspective of, you know, because some people shepherd leaders are sometimes really overly concerned about people complaining and, and and because people will complain when their preferences are unsettled and they will, they'll demand their preferences. That's sheep behavior. Like that's normal behavior. But if you love them, even if you're a shepherd, you won't keep them there. Even if they demand that you keep them there because they sometimes always say, I never mind making people do things they'll thank me for later. Mm. And, and so, so often I've had talk people that had people do things they thought they would never do. And then looking back, they're completely different people as a result of it. It's like, I know, I knew you had it in you. I knew what that would do for you and, and in you. And, and, and thanks for, for going along for the journey. But it's not until you do it that you look back and go, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. But a lot of times you don't want to do it at the time. And so for, yeah. all, for all those people that are listening right now, if your pastor gave you this uh, particular episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then some pastors, you know, we were talking before we got on about pastors and priests and ministering to them and helping serve them. And yeah. sometimes they need to hear that because I think the shepherd role becomes, well, I'm just caring for their hearts. And that's a good place. I mean, I, I appreciate pastors who have that, but sometimes caring for people is actually not just coddling them or comforting mm-hmm. them. It is challenging them to move. And yeah. that really is a shepherd and caring. And yeah, like you said, we sometimes as people need to be, when we're getting that challenge, mm-hmm. need to accept it and move on. So, and yeah. like you said, it's, it's for people. We want something for them, not from them. And I yeah. think that's, that's the shepherd's heart though. We have to keep that. Like we see the better place we could be mm-hmm. as a community and um, getting a vision for what that is and what could be and should be. So love that. Yeah. And it's no different. Like we call them father for a reason. And so father up, like, you know, as a dad, like, you know, so I'm like, most of my transactions with my kids are amazing and very life-giving and everything else. But at the end of the day, I'm still the father. And there are some things that they don't know yet. And, and, and we have to, you know, sometimes deal with things that they probably don't enjoy or don't like the way it's handled, but I have responsibility to bring them to full maturity in faith and in life. And I take that very yeah. seriously. And so, you know, sometimes I'm not popular around the supper table, you know, at different times. And it's like, I'm okay with that <laughs> and because I love you too yeah. much to always want your favor in terms of your friendship. Like uh, you're, you know, I love you and, and yeah. you're important to me and, and your evolution is important to me, even when you don't like it because I care about you, but that's part of the caring piece. And goodness knows Jesus has been like that with me. Holy man. Um, some of the crucial yeah. conversations he's had to have with my attitude, like the one I shared earlier with, well, that was an important yeah. conversation. It's like, right. you know, but you took the direction and went and you're glad you did. Right. Yeah. I think so. 
<laughs> so, so far, so good. No. <laughs> no, but it's so true. You know, Tom, I'd love to just bridge for a minute uh, from your book and the impact it can have on parishes and individuals if they do this together, which I strongly recommend if you have small groups and or as a lead up to Lent, whatever. Like it's a, it's a really great challenge and, and a great book uh, that I believe is going to make a difference uh, for the conversations that will be had in parishes. Um, I also know, too, like we were just talking about the ministry trip you just got back from. Uh, it wasn't in uh, North Pole. It was uh, somewhere a little bit warmer, <laughs> which was good for you. I always love when those happen. Um, but tell us a little bit. Just give us an update because we've talked about it before, the rebuilt coaching uh, um, partnership that you have with priests and their parishes. What, what, what's going on there that you're excited about? And tell us some stories. Yeah. And yeah, and just one last thing on that book we do have, if you go to Ave Maria Press, we do have like a whole kit to help you do that for your parish. So just oh, no way. make sure that was clear. Oh, yeah. There's good. a whole kit. What's um, in the kit? Tell us a little bit about that before we transition. Okay. Yeah. In the kit there is, um, so we have homily transcripts for Lent that pa parishes, pastors can use and just, you know, take and, and edit and use however they want to do. There is small group videos that go along with it that Father Michael and I produced. Um, there's kind of collateral pieces or graphics you can put up on a screen if you have that or hand, you know, yeah. um, that, that promote the book. Do you so, have any acetates? Uh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I, pro I probably. Those are things you should flip on the, the, on the screen. I don't think we have those. We have graphics. You know, I don't, I don't understand all that, but you know, so, so all group materials, <laughs> homilies, the book itself. So it is meant to be a parish can kind of like take the whole kit that's awesome um, and put it in practice especially again and it, it lines up with lent um very well so just wanted to did, did want to say that and that's it i'm glad you did because that's that. a that's not small like that's really exciting because then you can mobilize your team to do it really well everything from the promotion to the preaching uh to the videos like holy man you thought of everything that's really exciting <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully. And again, it's sort of what we, we had helped us before. We want to help other parishes. So that's our heart. Yeah. You know, and continuing that with, with rebuilt uh, parish, which is our, we do coaching with parishes. So we're working hmm. currently with parishes across the country right now. And, and in Canada, Father yes, Paul, we were talking yeah, about him earlier. That's right. um, so, and that, that uh, whole idea for us is we're look, we, we share our model, which is of, which I could go into, but we share our model and we help parishes implement that model not because we're trying to make nativity clones, but we do believe there are transferable principles that will mm. help parishes grow. And we just want to share what we've learned. And, you know, ministry is tough. We were talking before that it's, yeah. we get beat up. And so we get off track, we get distracted, you know, and so mm. coaching is meant to both keep people accountable and focused in a good way and support so that the changes we really want to make to our parish actually happen. Mm. And there's some, you know, again, there's, we need grace, you know, like we need outside help. It's, it's fine. There's stuff going on at Tivity right now. And I'm talking to a consultant guy and I'm mm -hmm. like, he's like, he said to me, he's like, if you wanted to make these, he's like, let me just be honest. I don't mean to insult you, but if you wanted to make these changes and you could do it on your own power, you would have already done it by now. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's right. And I'm like, no, I, I'm not insulted by all. I understand if we're going to get to the next place we want to get to as a parish, mm -hmm. we need grace, which God usually uses people. And coaching, right? That's yeah. exactly, but that's what we, the same thing for wherever other parishes are. If you need some help getting to the next place, mm -hmm. if you could have got there already, you would have, Amen. you just need help. And that's okay. That's grace, right? That's blessed are the poor in spirit. I need to be filled. I don't have it all. Yeah. And the great news is God sends people into our lives and 
hopefully with parishes that want to grow and transform and really become who God has created them to be. Yeah. We hope to be part of the, be the vessels or the vehicles through which God's grace comes to help them get to that next place. Amen. Yeah, we certainly, good grief, the people that God sent in our life as a parish as we, you know, fumbled through our mistakes and learnings and just trying to live our passion, belief that Jesus is amazing and we should be walking in miracles. There's just so many people that came along for that. And, and like you say, buying 800 rebuilt books and reading them as a parish, like we did things like that constantly. And even now as a ministry and Huntley leadership, we have a coach and, and, uh, and so, yeah. And I've mentors in my life that I check in with and they hold me to task and make sure that I'm living my values and, and, and having a culture that's consistent with what we teach and preach. And, and so, you know, you know, this, I think of the centurion when he approached Jesus, you know, he was a leader and, and he recognized Jesus' leadership, you know, and, you know, good leaders are often good followers and have, yeah. have the humility to, to self-reflect and, and see um, how the others can be a blessing. So, yeah, I love that. What do you see? Like you've been doing this for a while now. Um, you know, what types of dispositions and, I'll, you know, we can talk about this just for the people listening. What types of dispositions are probably going to do better in a coaching relationship? Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, you know, I think there's a humility to want to learn, obviously, mm. and to to listen. Um, you know, I think there has to be a hunger as well um, to, to know I don't know everything um, and to to be asking questions. I think there, you know, the hunger too is I think a lot of times we do think maybe we bring in a coach and they just make it easier for yeah. us and, or we don't have to do the hard work at the end of the day, a coach, you know, if you look at a sports team, the coach helps you make play better, but they can't play for you. Right. Right. And I think there are times and, and times too, for myself where you brought somebody in and like, well, just do it for me. Like I can't. Right. Right. Um, so there's a humility to learn, but a hunger to work hard that, there is just grind it. You know, I was again talking to this business leader today. There does need to be just a grind mm -hmm. that you're willing to put in or put, you know, put the effort in. We need rest and God wants to give rest to our souls. But if you're not willing to put in the work, then a coach isn't going to help at all. No. Um, and, and that, and, you know, so I think those are the two things and willing to, to try things and to move and be okay with failure mm -hmm. and to fail. Uh, failure is part of the process mm -hmm. um, in all times. Uh, and learning how everything works in our context. You know, I, I would say about rebuilt, um, you know, we talk about these four foundations. It's building layers of leaders, creating an excellent weekend experience, shaping a clear discipleship path, which is what rebuilt faith is mostly about. Yes. And then um, growing wider, reaching new, the community uh, on all those things, uh, you know, that they're simple, but not easy. And they need to be applied mm -hmm. to your context, right? Mm -hmm. They're transferable principles, but what's needed is leadership. Leadership's needed at every level and you got to leadership is figuring out how, you know, what's the right pace I'm going, what's the right application of these principles, what's what, you know, understanding where we are, where we want to get to, you know, vision, right. That's just at the end of the day, you got to see yourself, I think, as a leader that God wants to use and be willing to put in the work and humble enough to learn. Beautiful. Love that. I heard a, an expression the other day, which I thought was kind of cool. It said that, Leaders of organizations are often not directly responsible for the results, but they are directly responsible for forming and caring for the people and creating the culture that gets the results. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, uh, 
you know, and, and sometimes people can just go straight to work doing stuff. And I think that's great. But if at some point you're going to have to learn to create greatness in others and create a culture where, where people can thrive. And that's a really important part of leadership that, that I think is. Under, yeah, that's huge. And I think, yeah. yeah, as you mentioned me, I just got, you know, I got to speak to the priest of Hawaii which is a tough job, but somebody had to do it. <laughs> they need and to follow up. Let, just let me know. I was, I was, I was happy to do it and um, <laughs> to go there. And, but yeah, one of my sessions was on volunteer minister and just trying to impress upon them. Mm. Your job is not to do the ministry of the parish, your job, you know, Ephesians four, yeah. four, 11 and 12, right. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And yeah, that kind of change of how am I raising up other leaders Amen. and, other people to do the work of ministry. That's a huge transformation too. Tom, here's the last question I want to ask you. It's a fun question. I have no idea what you're going to say, but it's a fun question. What have you learned since you've been doing coaching? Because I remember when you were toying with the idea and I'm so glad you jumped in. Like I just really, really excited for you guys. What have you learned yourself in terms about yourself and, 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 and what's required? Yeah. I mean, a few things. I think one I've learned and it, 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 you have to keep communicating. And these are some things I learned beforehand in the parish, but now in different ways in coaching. Mm -hmm. Like I think I've said clearly what should be going on and then it's not happening. You know, it's, it's the curse of knowledge they talk about and made to stick about you think mm -hmm. you've said something, you understand it, but the people you're trying to get to convince or mm -hmm. to, to communicate to, you know, they don't get it. You know, the, the, the famous quote by George Bernard Shaw, the greatest problem with communication is the illusion it's taken place. So um, I'm relearning that I think I said something and it's clear in my head, but it's not as clear to others and to need to keep getting clearer. You know, I think learn that it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard um, in, in rebuild parish. We're trying to build up, you know, for lack of it's a ministry, but it's in some ways a small business, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very different endeavor, you know, running a parish, which I feel like I have pretty good, experience and wisdom on for sure is different than trying to help somebody else do it. Right. Mm. And that's trying to learn that skill set um, and what really is effective um, and, and helping people get there and being, you know, being patient with other people, knowing, mm. um, you know, it's going to take time for them. And uh, those are some things I'm learning. Yeah. Good on you. Good on you. Well, it's always a treat to talk to you, brother. And I really do appreciate the work that you guys do at Rebuilt and the friendship that you and Father Michael have and, and how you continue to create content and books that, that really can be a beautiful blessing. So as we close out Rebuilt Faith, just to make sure that you communicate it properly and it wasn't just the illusion, what's your final word on the thought of the book and your hope for people listening today? Yeah, our hope really is ultimately transform parishes. I mean, that's why we wrote it. And we want what happened to our parish, which is still a work in progress for sure. But the transformation of, of kind of getting more focused on discipleship and then reaching the lost, we want that to be trans to be a transformational experience in parishes and in individual lives of people in those parishes that they can see that the become more engaged in the life of their church and really see God move in their lives and in their community. Beautiful. And so Ave Maria Press is where people go to get this kit and order a whack of books so that they can do this for Lent or sooner. You got it. Yep. AveMariaPress.com. That's where to go and, and order it. And if they're look, listening to this and going, I want Tom to coach my parish, where, where do they yeah, get thanks. a hold of you? What's that look like? 
Yeah. So if they want, you know, we have a whole bunch of coaches too. So it's not yeah. just me, by <laughs> yeah. the way, um, rebuiltparish.com. So rebuiltparish.com. You can find a way to connect with us. Uh, probably you'll reach out and talk to Stephanie and she'll, she'll talk to you and, um, yeah, get you, get you connected. And we'd love to love to work with parishes that want to grow. We, yeah. that's who we're looking for is, um, like I said, there's humble, hungry parishes that want want to grow and become more of who God's created them to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate uh, the time. I hope you have a great Christmas with your family. Uh, I know this will probably come out in the, maybe before the new year, but uh, either way, definitely before Lent. So give people lots of time to, to look into uh, getting this book and this kit. Yeah, thanks, Ron. It's always great to talk. You're welcome. And for those of you that were listening today, again, thanks for everything you do for your parish. Love to hear from you. If there's any questions that have come up or any comments, please leave them in whatever social uh, tools you use. Uh, I love to read those, look at them. Uh, if there's questions, I'll reach out to you or the team will reach out to you and connect. Um, it's just really important to continue to get up again when we get knocked down. Continue to keep our eyes on Christ and, and just rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life of miracles as we lead to build a kingdom of God together. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.